This episode of No Wrong Answers is brought to you by the Kauffman Foundation, investing in educators and lifting up the Kansas City region, which is dedicated to learning together to improve educational and economic success. Learn more at Kauffman.org. As Puerto Rico continues to struggle with the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, we check in with a school on the island about the challenges that lie ahead for next school year. Plus, Betsy DeVos says a school safety commission formed after the Parkland school shooting won't be talking about guns. And are your students vaping? We talk about Juul and why our teachers are leery of the e-cigarette phenomenon. All that and kids these days on this edition of the No Wrong Answers podcast. Welcome to No Wrong Answers, the weekly podcast that gives you a teacherly take on the world. I'm your host, Kyle Palmer. I'm a former teacher turned journalist, and I'm joined, as always, by a group of hardworking teachers who are ready to talk. So let's introduce them. Greg Brenner, what do you teach? I uh, teach social studies at high school. Luann Fox, what do you teach? I teach high school English. And Bakari Uku'u, what do you... You no longer teach, but what do you do in education? Middle school vice principal. And you are actually administering a summer school program as well. Uh, summer school elementary principal. <laughs> All right. Getting some experience under your belt. All three of them are educators at public schools in the Kansas City metro area. Back in January, we spoke with several staff members and a student from Academia Bautista de Puerto Nuevo. It's a private Christian school in San Juan, Puerto Rico. The school gained a brief bit of fame for a viral video that showed kids and staffers celebrating after the power came back on at their campus following Hurricane Maria. Power had been off at the school for 112 days. We wanted to check back in with Academia Bautista to see how the rest of their school year went after we spoke with them in January. And we also just wanted to hear how they feel about Puerto Rico's continuing recovery from Maria, how it's going even as we enter a new hurricane season. So joining us now from Puerto Rico to talk about this again is Josue Gomez. He is administrative director for Academia Bautista. Josue, thank you for taking the time again to talk with us at No Wrong Answers. My pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, Well, when we spoke with you in January, there was a lot of positivity. The power had just come back on. You all spoke of having really taken advantage of the power being off, returning to what I think one of your teachers called the old ways of teaching and learning that didn't involve the Internet. So I guess just my first question for you is, um, how did it go since January? You're now on summer break, so how, how have the last few months been? We still have a, a lot of power failures. The internet is not uh, it's not the best. We're still having a lot of, of business issues. Uh, the insurance company not respond as well as we expected. So we have uh, we have to deal with our own budget. It's uh, it's difficult uh, in the in the restoring process of the of the school. Uh, and by the other hand, uh, we're still losing people. Um, uh, from Puerto Rico, moving to the states, uh, families, uh, students uh, are moving to to find uh, jobs at the states. So we're still losing people. And in the middle of uh, of having the, uh, the enrollment process for the new year, we are uh, doing our our best, trying to to recruit more students. But uh, we are down. Um, for more than 50 students in comparison with last year, and that put in risk uh, some jobs. Mm. We're still there in difficult times. 
Yeah. Uh, you said you lost 50, you, your enrollment has dropped by about 50 students. And I understand that's a, that's a struggle for you. And of course, it's a, it's a budgetary problem as well. Of course, I, you know, I read news stories about uh, public schools on the island really suffering enrollment drops, um, you know, 60% or more. I think it's been estimated that overall since May of last year, so before Hurricane Maria, uh, the island's lost nearly 39,000 school-age kids. You're seeing some of that yourself. I, I just wonder... Um, you know, how overall is the, is the school system in San Juan and in the islands faring, do you think? Right now, they're closing schools in the, across the islands. Uh, they, they put the whole community right now in risk. It's a, it's a hard time. So what, what did you see? What, what were your teachers doing to kind of compensate and, and, and make up for some of these challenges? What did you see them doing this past semester? Granted us with uh, extra hours for free. They was they I was able to to gain and to give us to, to our students extra time, extra tasks, extra works, and they do it for free. Also, they the clubs because we are not we're not longer to to give uh, the, the the normal classroom the normal class time to allocate another experience. So we have to do it in extra time, and they do it for free. You can expect it in a private system, uh, and it's, uh, it's part of the tragedy that the, the, the public system is not able to do or uh, to perform at this level. Right. Uh, Bakari. Jose, can you speak to the social-emotional supports that you gave to students after experiencing such a trauma? Uh, that's a good question. You know, last week... Uh, in a face-to-face meeting with a school that came out from Florida, and they are asking uh, our students how they feel. And for my surprise, I thought our student was already passed through that situation, and they are fine. But at the meeting of the of the meeting, uh, some of them uh, start crying because they are still remembering things. They're trying to manage how they uh, feel. It seems to me that we need uh, to go over again so, uh, over the, the, the path of the hurricane, over the crisis that, that it left in our family in a social and emo- emotional way because uh, it's still in their, in their mind. It's still, uh, it's still an emotional distress in them in their family, and we have to work with at the very beginning of the next semester. And what do you, have you thought about what you're going to do, what you're going to say as a staff to try to continue to deal with? Um, yeah, their... we, have, we, we, we have in our school a psychologist that were, uh, were preparing some, uh, some trainings for the, for the, for the whole uh, staff to deal with our students. Uh, the, in the case that we detected a, a very special situation, we can refer to the professionals to work with. Yeah. Uh, you're on summer break now. When do you open up for the fall? When's your first day of school? It's going to be the first week of August. Are you as ready to go as you feel you can be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, as I mentioned, uh, in, the, in the administrative uh, side, uh, I try to, to restore and to rebuild our facilities. And, uh, you know, we are trying to do it with our own budget. 
the insurance company uh, did not respond as uh, the expect as, as our expectations. So we have to do it with our resources. So if with I, our if I understand sorry? you correctly, you're saying that the your insurance companies are are not covering some of the damage you suffered during the storm. But not only our school. This is a part of the of the problem right now in the whole islands in Puerto Rico. The insurance company uh, are not uh, responded as the as the expectation of the of the people of the business. Uh, and of of course we have to we have to restore our facilities with our with our resources, and it's not the same because. Uh, we are uh, right now. We are limited resources, and we are doing. Uh, we are performing with uh, some uh, volunteers, so volunteers that are able to 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 help us. It yeah. sounds like you're spending a lot of your summer working at the school. I mean, like physically trying to restore parts of the building. Yeah, we have, as I mentioned before, uh, in the in our prior conversation, but during January we have to we have to rebuild part of the, our roof, uh, the roof of the. Of the elementary school, we have to to restore uh, by almost the eighty percent of the uh, of the roof. So we have to do it right now, and then we have to uh, restore three or four a classroom that is still closed since uh, since September. But we have to uh, working hard hard right now to reopen uh, for the next. In the next months, and uh, of course we have to reshaping the school, the face of the school. We we bring in new colors uh, just to to change the mind the minds of our students. Uh, it's a new year, a new a new fresh uh, face, just to work with the emotions as with the with the mind of the students. So. Uh, well, Josue Gomez, Administrative Director for Academia Bautista de Puerto Nuevo, that's a, a private school in metropolitan San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, thank you so much for joining us again, and, and um, we wish you all the luck for this summer with all the work that you have to do. Thank you, you, for, the, for this opportunity, and as always, we are open to and uh, willing to share our story and, uh, and always willing to share our stuff. And, of course, uh, we are always welcoming here in Puerto Rico, and whatever you have the opportunity, please uh, visit <laughs> us in San Juan. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the invite, and thank you so much for talking with us. Okay. Good luck. Bye. Our podcast today is sponsored by the Kauffman Foundation, learning together with families, educators, entrepreneurs, and innovators to develop quality education that prepares all of Kansas City students for the future of learning and work. Join the conversation by visiting Kauffman.org or on Twitter at KauffmanFDN. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos was back in the news recently, so you know what that means. It's another edition of The Betsy Breakdown.
Secretary DeVos last month received a lot of criticism for her comments made to Congress that suggested teachers and principals could decide whether or not to call Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, about students they believe to be undocumented. This runs counter to an old Supreme Court precedent from the 1980s. And it also just bothers a lot of educators who don't want anything to do with the enforcement of immigration laws. DeVos was pressed on this issue again recently in another congressional hearing by Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat from Connecticut, who repeatedly tried to pin DeVos down on this question and finally got to this. Well, the, the question is yes or no. Can, can, a, can a principal call ICE on a student? Is that allowed under federal law? You're the Secretary of Education. In a, in a school setting, a student has the right to be there and the right to learn. And so everything surrounding that should protect that and, and enhance that student's opportunity and that student's environment. So they can't call ICE? I don't think they can. And I should say that was at the end of a long string of questions where Senator Murphy was trying to get Betsy DeVos's clear yes or no on that. We've talked about this before, but I guess why is the subject of ICE coming into schools, I think for a lot of teachers, a lot of teachers on this program and a lot of teachers not on this program, such a non-starter, such no-go territory for so many teachers? Why does that bother teachers so much? I think it just it crosses that that line that we have. I mean, no matter who the kids are, and where they come from, there are kids. And, and they feel like an extension of, of, of us, of our family. It just seems like a big breach of, of trust and a big breach of, of that family. Everything about ICE coming in runs counter to that and us building the culture of a classroom. Now, Bakar, you are a, an administrator, a principal. How do you kind of look at the your charges under your care, the, the boundaries of your school? I mean, what, what is that relationship to... I'm an outside entity. My number one job is to keep our students safe. It is not my job to police their immigration status. It's my number one job is to keep them safe and get them a quality education. Um, it may not be the explicit policy of the Trump administration, but do you feel like with Betsy DeVos's comments that that is kind of the underlying subtext of of her comments, that, they, that you are seen as like de facto agents in administering or enforcing these immigration Laws? Yeah, in, in a way, I think it kind of goes back to the the old fear that we've had ever since the ever since the Trump administration has come in. The the fear that many immigrant families have had, and me teaching in a school where the majority are Hispanic, we have a large amount, a, a good amount of undocumented students. Just the fear that they have of of themselves or their family being deported. We've actually gone further in you know besides talking about school being a secure place. What would happen if ICE shows up at our school? To, to take kids, not not just like what, you know, we can't report, but just, you know, okay, what are we going to do to protect our kids if ICE does show up? We've actually talked about that as, as protocols and what we can do to protect students from that. Meanwhile, uh, in this Betsy breakdown, continuing to another topic, a school safety commission chaired by DeVos, established by President Trump in the wake of the school shooting in Parkland, Florida, had its first public listening session recently. Secretary DeVos did not attend. She was in Switzerland giving a keynote address about vocational education, but DeVos raised eyebrows and not a few hackles when she suggested to Congress that this school safety commission studying gun violence in schools would not per se be looking at guns or gun policy. NPR reports at least one high school student who spoke at the first public listening session called the commission's remit, quote, misguided and insufficient and said guns, in fact, were the most important part of its mission in studying school safety. So do you expect this school safety commission to produce anything of substance or to you, is it just a smokescreen? Definitely a smokescreen. 
Yeah, I don't expect really anything from the Department of Education right now. The Trump administration has made it clear that that one of their goals, stated goals, is to tear down as much of the federal government and the federal bureaucracy as possible. And so in that sense, like Betsy DeVos is the perfect instrument for just making the Department of Education as 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 little to do with with anything as possible. So like anything actually coming out from the Department of Education with Betsy DeVos at its head in the Trump administration is is negligible. There's n- nothing's going to come out. Well, I would I, I would push and say nothing productive or value added is coming out. But as we see, there are multiple things coming out of the Department of Education that it's not actually benefiting public mm-hmm. education. I agree with all that. Well, this commission is it is it frustrating or is it so you know beyond your scope and abs you know abstract at a federal level that you just don't even don't even pay it any mind? I can't imagine not paying it any mind. Gosh, it's it's on my mind all the time. Every time I go into the building, just this it, issue of school safety. Absolutely, yeah. I hate to admit this, but I think it really is just a matter of time before we see it um, much much closer to home. Than we have. Um, In our own metro area, we've got any number of issues where students have brought guns to school um, and they have been thwarted. And we know that's true on both sides of the state line. So I really do think it's a matter of time before we see tragedy occur. To that point, in connection with this topic, a national survey of school resource officers conducted recently by EdWeek uh, shows one in five school resource officers, or SROs, say that their schools are not prepared for a school shooting. Some report that they themselves don't feel adequately trained. At the same time, many of the SROs surveyed admitted that the Parkland shooting had more deeply affected them in their schools and changed something about how we think about school shootings. What that something actually was, was was kind of vague, but still it felt different, I guess. Are you surprised by this? Do you think your school is prepared for these tragic circumstances? I'm, I'm not sure anybody can really prepare for something like that. You can have contingency plans, you know, what if there there is an active shooter and we do drills, but until that actually really happens, God forbid it, it's it's hard to say whether we're, we're prepared or not. I mean, and we have SROs, but whether those SROs would actually be up to the task of doing something like that, like we saw mm-hmm. in Parkland where there was um, a security guard and, and, and didn't um, wasn't able to fulfill their duty, you know, we don't know. I don't know. I would posit that security is not necessarily the solution either, and it's not a way to be the most prepared. I think we talked on this podcast before about the fact that we have more SROs in schools than we have counselors. And I think that if we were really talking about preparing and creating a safe and welcoming space for people, then we talk about what types of supports do we put in place to help them get their their needs met. What would you want a school safety commission to look at then? What would you want this group to look at? One of the things that I had considered is that while you don't want to put the spotlight necessarily on the shooters themselves because the people who uh, were taken deserve that more. There's something to be said for investigating with the people who are still alive, what is actually happening, what's happening in their brains, why did they do what they did, talking to any parents who have survived because some shooters have shot their own parents, to get a little more transparency and have a little bit more conversation on that end and attack a problem from maybe another side. Because I really think talking about gun control is something the NRA is locking down and they're blocking everything that deals with that. Just like in, in a system, there's there's no money in in well people, right? So we're gonna we're gonna look at ways to manage pain. There's no money in people who feel safe. So if we can make them feel scared all the time and promote more gun buying, that's the way that they're going. But if we can look at this in a different way, and we can look at like what is happening that's making these people 
do the shooting, what's happening in the home, what's happening with the parental situation, and we have a little bit more transparency, maybe we can make some inroads into the problem. My fear is that the commission is going to look at this and the solution is going to be more SROs, more security. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we have a problem with guns, so you know what? Let's throw more guns at it. Or it's going to be, let's close off some of the entrance points and exit points. Right. And those, I think, have value to some extent, but those do not give us the safety and security that we're actually needing in, in the school setting. Well, and you're also already starting to see um, stories like the one that was on NPR recently about the, I think, recent attention paid to school shootings affecting the actual design of future school mm-hmm. buildings um, and that open floor plans and big, tall windows and natural light coming in are things that are being phased out. Which really articulates uh, less design schools as prisons and minimize the outside or external access. And I think that that's, that's not what schools are supposed to be about. That's not what schools should be about at all. And I think that if um, design changes happen in that way, and we see that over time, we're just going to give birth to a whole generation of new problems when we have a lot of depressed kids and, and a lot of kids. And the suicide rate goes up even higher because they just can't stand to be in schools because they are, for all intents and purposes, prisons. Our final topic before Kids These Days, Juul. That's Juul, J-U-U-L, what some health experts are calling the health problem of the decade for teens. That might be a little hyperbolic, but still. Juul, of course, is a sleek new brand of e-cigarette, as many have pointed out already. It looks like a thumb drive. For this reason, it's easily concealed at school, and it creates such a small puff of vaporized tobacco that dissipates so quickly. It's often hard to catch a student doing it. CNN describes high schoolers puffing away on their jewels when their teachers have their backs turned or blowing surreptitiously into their sleeves. The upshot to all this, health experts say the concentrated potency of the tobacco in products like Juul is extremely addictive. One Juul pod contains about the same amount of nicotine as a pack of cigarettes. So I'll, I'll just ask straight away, has Juul or vaping come to your campuses? I have not seen it. And it makes me wonder, actually, because I haven't seen it in their neighborhoods. And, and I just wonder, is this more of a suburban suburban thing? Well, let's ask a suburban teacher, Luann. Do you see vaping or Juul in your schools? I cannot say enough about that because, yes. I uh, mean, yes to the yes. And uh, <laughs> I've... Uh, Underlined, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got some information here because I was asking about it. And this teenager has written about how it's a really big hobby at my school. Kids are constantly buying, selling, or getting caught with one. I've heard of students who get caught with one, and they get it returned to them at the end of the school day. Um, students do it in the locker rooms or the bathrooms during class. It's so bad that it can happen in class while the teacher's back is to them. Jewels have gotten especially popular because the pods or the body of the jewel itself is easy to buy. What students call plugs or purchasing it from the product's website. Students have asked in plain sight in schools if they can hit it or take a hit, which is just another way of saying that can they just inhale it from the vape pen. And um, this student actually wrote me, I've even been asked at lunch or after school if I had one on me, which of course I didn't. And I've witnessed students have withdrawals where they're bouncing their legs, they're itching furiously, coughing just because they went an hour without being buzzed off of the 20% or higher nicotine. 
That's jewel madness. It's jewel madness. It's 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 really I mean, yeah because I am at a suburban school and I think because um, many of our students do have the money and they do a keeping up with the Joneses thing. I mean this is this is what they do that with. I mean I think it used to be what car did you drive and now it's more like what what can you carry? How much can you carry? And another thing that people are talking about too is just the flavors. How that's like so marketed to teens because they're like bubblegum flavors or like cupcake flavor like. And do you I mean do you, to that point? Do you smell it around campus? Do you smell? You can get puffs every now and then. I mean, not, not puffs. I'm sorry. You can get whiffs of it every now and then, and it's just like out of the blue. And you're just like, where's that smell coming from? And then it, and then it disappears just as quickly because that's how different it is. I mean, it just it appears and then it's gone. And it appears and then it's gone. And you're like, where did that come from? But I mean, so there's an interesting dichotomy here, right? So Greg Bakari, you're not seeing this at your school. So Bakari, you haven't. I'm in middle school. You're in so middle school. We don't. I have not seen this at all. Do teachers feel about this differently than they feel about cigarettes? Because I know there's the argument that this is better than this is better for you than cigarettes because there's not the chemicals, there's not the tar, and you know kids are going to try to find a way to smoke anyway. So why don't we just have them use this healthier? And I'm just speaking from a devil's advocate perspective. See, I, I I hear that, and and I think that's like the most ludicrous piece of crap ever. I mean, vaping, it, I'm sorry for you vapors out there um, and, and who enjoy it. That's awesome. But I just think it's just incredibly stupid. Why? You know, Why? Uh, because it's, it is. It's marketed as like the safe way to smoke. I mean, you're still inhaling fire. You're still getting that stuff in you. It's not, it, no, you're not going to be able to escape the consequences of, of doing this. And Have you, I mean, Luana, your school, has your staff had conversations about this? Oh, abs- yes. Absolutely. And what are those conversations? Well, it may get to this point, but I mean, I was reading the article, some of the articles about how some schools have resorted to taking off the bathroom door, the outside bathroom door, so that as you pass by the restrooms, you'd be able to sort of tell um, what's happening in the bathroom. And I mean, that's, man, that's a slippery slope. So I'm hoping that we don't get to that point. They look like thumb drives when they come in. So we haven't gotten to the point of abolishing those, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I have, I have read of other happen. schools that have actually said, no, you can't bring thumb drives in <laughs> because because they don't want, I mean, they just want to eliminate the possibility of you being able to pass off a jewel as a thumb drive, yeah. which also seems, which also feels kind of ridiculous. That, how and is that good? It, and, I, and I will say it's still very unclear what the long-term health effects of vaping are. It is so new that a lot of scientific research is out on just exactly what, if anything, it's doing for you. Um, I guess broader question, uh, trying to include all three of you since uh, it seems like Luann is the only one that has direct experience with dealing with e-cigarettes. But I, I guess just like cigarettes in general, is that still like a cool thing to do for kids? I mean, because you read all the time about how teen rates of smoking have just plummeted over the last 15 to 20 years. Are kids still trying to smoke? Is not, that s- n- not cigarettes to my knowledge. Yeah. I think marijuana is probably the more popular yes. smoking drug of choice. Yes. Yeah. I think part of it is actually price. I mean, how how expensive are are cigarettes these days? It's five dollars a pack. That's that's fairly prohibitive, um, and also it just doesn't give you the high. I mean, there there's almost like a social positive, net positive from from doing pot as opposed to yeah. doing smoke. You know, just just smoking cigarettes. You know, what's I, I've heard kids actually say this. What's the point? I think also access 
impacts that decision as well. Kids have a greater access to cannabis than they do cigarettes. Cause they're not, you don't have to get ID'd. I mean, you're probably right. you're yeah. buying it illegally anyway. Right. Um, so I think access and just entertainment, that's what they see artists doing on um, TV. So that makes it more accessible. I don't, I don't really see too many artists smoking cigarettes on TV, but you always see them referring to weed and other drugs. I wonder, as, an, as educators, as adults, how do you feel about that? It's a problem, and I've, I've heard um, articles about this, about how some states, like in Colorado, where it, has be, where it is legal, that instead of the just say no policy, um, instead they're trying to teach kids just delay, 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 that, that you just try to put off smoking pot as long as possible just because of the, of the health risk you're putting yourself into um, if you start t- uh, doing that at an early age. And I, I just find that really, really fascinating. And and it is. It's like a, a, it's a soci- it's become so much more prevalent and accepted um, that getting kids to realize that hey, you know what? Maybe you should wait until you're 25. That, that's that's difficult to do. I think for me, the conversation I've had with students who I who have either come to school under the influence or we've um, found substances on them, it's more about just education around what this drug actually does to your body and how that impacts your decision-making skills. Um, ultimately, obviously, they're going to make the decision for themselves, but I think it's just equipping them with as much knowledge as possible on making an informed decision. Stay tuned. We are going to do Kids These Days after the credits. This episode of No Wrong Answers is sponsored by the Coffin Foundation. No Wrong Answers retains total editorial control, and what our teachers say are their personal opinions, which may not reflect the official policies of the schools and districts they work for. Like us at Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Just search for the No Wrong Answers podcast by Fountain City Frequency. Find us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And once you do, subscribe and leave us a review. It helps. There are no other podcasts like ours giving you a teacherly take on the world. If you've enjoyed the conversation you've heard on this episode, subscribe, leave us a review, and keep the conversation going. Well, now, kids these days, a couple of you are in summer school or about to be in summer school, so you might still know what kids are into these days. But, uh, Greg, what are your kids into? Yeah, um, there was two things uh, right at the end of the school year. One was sports-related. The uh, NBA Finals was going on, um, and that that was huge. Of course, kids uh, had had drawn lines of, of you know whether they were LeBron fans or they they were rooting for Golden State. Teachers were not helping the situation by talking about it as well with with kids. Um, the the other sports-related thing uh, in our school, since soccer is our big sport, was of course the coming World Cup, and and um, especially among. My soccer boys talking to them about who they think is going to win, and, and it seems like Belgium is the dark horse there. Belgium? Yeah. Yeah, super talented team. Watch out for them. I like how you said your your kids were either Golden State fans or LeBron, LeBron fans. fans. Right. <laughs> too. Right? But that's it's, that's, that's <laughs> telling. It's kind of what that's it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, the the <laughs> second thing was, was all about what are they doing, what's everybody doing over the summer, whether they're trying to avoid summer school by making up uh, you know, last-minute homework assignments, or where, where's everybody going to work? Uh, and it seems like the... The popular places among a lot of my students are uh, the traditionally the the uh, fast food places, but it seems like uh, there was a lot of kids working at the local amusement park up at World, World of Fun. Fun. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, or working at the zoo. Yeah, had a lot of friends growing up that would spent summers cleaning up puke at World of Fun. <laughs> yep, Bakari, what are your kids into? So this summer, I'm working with elementary students, um, which is. Takes me back to my, my classroom days, being in elementary. Makes you want to move levels? Um, I, I didn't quite say that. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying my time with elementary, but I, I miss my middle schoolers. Um, they're into two things right now. Lots of slime. They've been bringing slime, like, every day to summer school. I, 
Is I'm this like sure. a slime, like a prepackaged kind of? Uh... No, it looked like the homemade oh. slime. Like I don't know if some parent made it and everyone wanted to copy. They were on YouTube or something, but they all have this bag of slime that they've been carrying around. That and then they just randomly break out into this dance called the shoot dance. It's not gun related, but it's called shoot dance, and it's from a um, a latest hip hop song from um, an artist, and they just break out into that dance. What does it look like? It's like a fist pump meets the jerk. Um, it's it's kind of entertaining, but annoying at the same time. <laughs> uh, Luann, you have not been in summer school, so it's been a couple weeks. But uh, what were you kids into before they left? Well, it was interesting. Bakari was talking about a dance, and I think my students were really talking about the floss, oh, yeah. getting into the floss. And that's peaked. By now, I think. I'm not familiar with the this is from. It's, it's really okay. It's from Fortnite. I guess where it, it comes oh from, God. right? right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Not, to mention, not to mention that again, but no, I think that's where it comes don't from. Don't open the Fortnite can of worms, but <laughs> we came really close. Anyway, um, and then, but my my students are uh, unfortunately into vaping, and so we've talked a lot about that. But uh, that does seem to be a big thing with them, um, and also. They're not so much about where they're working, but where they're going to be vacationing, actually. So they can't wait to get into the pools and just where they're going to travel to, uh, you know, experience life and that kind of thing. Do you have any kids going to some crazy places? Not that I've heard of, but I'm sure that when I get back with them in the fall, I will hear about things that happened. So. And places that you're jealous about. Probably. <laughs> well, thanks to our teachers this week, Greg Brenner, Luann Fox, Bakari Uku'u. Thanks, as always, to Matt Hodap, who produces the podcast. Thank you to KCUR 89.3 Kansas City Public Radio, where we tape. And remember, kids, be nice to your teachers. Mm-hmm.